If you have your Bibles, I want you uh, to take them uh, to uh, 1 Kings chapter number 17. 1 Kings chapter number 17. I want to say thank God for all of our mothers. And I'm all, all of our mothers, we're going to recognize you, I think, here shortly, here in a little bit. Thank you, Sister Angie, for setting us up there with some flowers uh, for our mothers. And we're going to recognize all of our mothers at the end of this service, but I'd like to speak particularly to our mothers today. Now, I think this message could be applicable to all of our men here and all of us this morning, but I want to speak particularly to our mothers and thank God for you and try to help you and give you an example from God's Word of a mother that God used. First Kings chapter number 17 and verse number 8. In 1 Kings, up to this point, we have been introduced to the prophet Elijah, who was one that was coming to turn the hearts of the people of God back to him. And so we see the, in, the, in, the, in the life of Elijah, he is before this point being at the brook Cherith. How many of you know the story of Elijah and the brook Cherith? How that... Uh, that the ravens brought him food and meat for several days and there was a brook there when everything around him was dried up and there was no water. God provided a brook and, and these birds brought him to food. But after a while the brook dried up and the birds stopped bringing him food. And so from there we pick up reading God's command in 1 Kings 17 verse number 8. Then the word of the Lord came to him, meaning Elijah, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. And so he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he, uh, when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to, uh, to bring it, he called to her and said, Bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, As the Lord God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me, and afterward make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, The jar of flour shall not be spent, and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and did as Elijah said, and she and he and her household ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. I want to speak to you this morning again on a mother God can use. I recently heard of an idea for a new smash hit reality game show. Here's the premise. What we're going to do is we're going to take six married men and they'll be dropped on an island with one car and four kids each for six weeks. 
each kid plays two sports and either takes music or dance lessons. There is no access to fast food. Each man must take care of his four kids, keep his assigned house clean, correct all homework, complete all science projects, uh, do the laundry, cook, and etc. The men only have access to television when the kids are asleep and all the chores are done. There is only one TV between them and there is no remote control. The men must shave their legs, wear makeup daily, which must be, uh, must, uh, they must apply themselves either while driving or while making four lunches. They must attend weekly PTA meetings. Uh, they must clean up after their sick children at 3 a.m. in the morning and make an Indian hunt model with a six toothpicks, a tortilla, and one, and one marker. And get, all, all, get a four-year-old to eat a serving of peas. The kids vote them off the island based upon their performance. The last man remaining has the opportunity to play the game over and over again for the next 18 to 25 years, eventually earning the right, the award, the trophy to be called mother. <laughs> I think that is a very powerful illustration of what mothers mean uh, to their families. I don't know if that will ever make network television, but I'm telling you what, I would, number one, I'd, I'd tune in to watch it. Number two, I would not want to be a contestant. Because being a mother is no easy task. And yet our mothers are so often one of the most taken for granted people in the family. That is why there is a special day set aside to honor them. Mom, your influence cannot be over-exaggerated. Mom, you can influence your children for God in such a way that will have an eternal impact on the world for the glory of God. I may have your children's attention for an hour, maybe two during the week, but you have their undivided attention and their love, the love of your children all through the week. That is why it is so critical for every mother uh, that, to be a mother that God can use. Now I believe in this text there are three characteristics that are critical for a mother to instill in their hearts in order that they would be a mother that God can use. And so the first one I want you to see the first, uh, uh, the first characteristic is, first of all, in a mother that God can use, is first of all, a familiar mother. A familiar mother. Now, you know, I'm going to give a little insight into preachers uh, just now. Now, I want to give you a little insight into how preachers think. And, and if you could read my mind as I gave the title of my message this morning, or if no, not read my mind. If I could read yours, this is what I would be wondering as I read that title. As I told you the title, A Mother God Could Use, I wonder if, if this is what you thought, Mom. Well, that would be nice to be used of God, but I'm just not the type. 
I really don't fit the model of, of a mother uh, that should be, what a mother should be to be used by God. No, no, not me. I am too fill in the blank. Fill in the blank. I'm too shy. I'm too weak. I'm too broken. I have too many problems. I'm too busy. I'm not spiritual enough to be a mother that God could use. Well, when, when we look at this mother Xeropath, we see something very familiar about this mother. And I want to show you why. First of all, in this mother, I want you to see a devastating calamity. Look with me at verse number 9. Arise and go to Zeropath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded, notice this, a widow woman. A widow woman there to feed you. Notice that she is called a widow in our, in our text. Her husband has tragically died. This is a mother that has seen her share of calamity and heartache and trouble. She's seen firsthand sorrow and devastating sorrow and pain. She has experienced the loneliness and the fear that comes with losing a mate. What mother in this room at one time or another hasn't endured some traumatic event, some tragedy, some calamity in their life? No, you may not be a widow this morning, but at the same time, so often we encounter the heartbreaks and the sorrow in life that would cause us to think we're damaged goods. That we're not somebody that God can use. And maybe there's been something in your life which you've had to endure and you reflect upon that moment and you say, man, there's, I've been hurt too deep. I'm damaged too deeply. Deep down on the inside of me, there's just no place for God to use me. I've been scarred too visibly, broken too numerously. Uh, I've been hurt too deeply that God could never use me. Not so, says the woman of Zerapath. Here in our text is a woman that God used who had experienced one of the most tragic events that anyone can experience in life, the loss of a mate. I recently... I'll be honest, this, this uh, husband and wife at my previous pastorate, they're just like a, they're just like a, a, great, a grandma and grandpa to me and my wife Carrie. We, we love them so much, but the husband, uh, a man that I not only baptized but ordained as a deacon and was like a right-hand man uh, to me at that church, uh, he recently passed away and and uh, I, I dearly love this couple. And, and so I've been calling his wife, uh, th this woman that's like a grandmother to me, and calling her on the phone. And I, I called her the other day, and she talked about how that, you know, it's, it's, it's hard. She can't really talk to her children about her loneliness. They, they don't want to hear it. They, uh, Mom, let's not talk about that. That's, that's, I, just, I can't deal with that right now. But she talked with me on the phone, and I let her, I let her go on about the loneliness, the, the aloneness she has without this spouse of maybe 50 to 60 years. It is, it is something that tears at her soul. It is something she has to deal with every day. But by, just as the same as this woman in our text, 
But by the end of the story with this woman at Zarephath, God uses this woman greatly. Remember, she still had a child. She still had a small child. The loss of her husband at an early age and God saw her through this tragic situation and still used her. That leads me to number two. Not only does she have a devastating calamity, but she has a delightful child. In verse number 12, uh, she talks about, in verse number 12, it says, and as the Lord lives, she's, she's explaining her situation to Elijah. I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour and oil in a jar. And now I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go prepare it uh, for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. She's not only a wife who's lost a husband, but she has a child that she cannot take care of. I mean, this is a woman who enjoys all the delights and the desires of parenthood, and at the same time, all the anxieties that come along with that, with the, with the anxiety of being a mother. He has also, she has also endured all the frets and the fears and all the frustrations of becoming a mother. Like I said earlier, motherhood is not easy. And uh, we've, we've had five children uh, that, are, uh, that are in our household through the years. And, uh, uh, one, two, three, four. Four children. I don't know where I get five. I, I, I think my grandson is my fifth child I, for some reason. But uh, we've had four children pass through our home. And two of them are out on their own. And you'd think, you know, you'd think that as a parent, the two out on their own, why, those are the ones you don't worry about. Well, it seems to us that the ones that are outside, the more we worry about them than the ones that are under our roof. It never stops. There's all the anguish. And there are joys with parenthood. At the same time, there are frustrations and there are frets having to do with parenthood and particularly motherhood. No doubt that this mother somewhere along the life of her motherhood has made some mistakes. I don't know a single mother that hasn't made mistakes and yet she remains faithful and loving towards uh, toward uh, the gracious gift that God has given her in that child. Mom, I know that you have made mistakes along the path of life, in training your child, in rearing your child, in guiding them and, and, and correcting them. And oftentimes, you know, parenthood is like a battle. What should I do? How should I solve this situation? How should I train? What should I do? I know that every one of us, uh, you mothers, have made mistakes, but I want you to understand that does not disqualify you from being a woman that God could use, a mother that God could use. Isn't this woman starting to look familiar? Because if she, if she is, then she's starting to look like every mother in this room. You know, oftentimes we put people in the Bible with a halo over their head. Like there's some kind of special people that God doesn't make anymore. But that's not the case at all. Here we have in this passage of Scripture a woman, a mother that looks just like every mother in this room today. Notice also, not only she had a devastating calamity, a delightful child, but also a deficient cupboard. Look at verse number 12. We talked about how that she was going to make that, but she said, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. These were tough times. 
This mother has got serious problems. The lack of rain. You remember early in the book of Kings uh, that uh, uh, that, uh, uh, Elijah comes to King Ahab with an indictment of the people of God and said, as the Lord God liveth, it won't rain for the next three years and stormed out. And sure enough, there was a drought. The, the rain wouldn't fall. And that had an economic effect all over the region. A famine ensued. This woman had so very little in her cupboard. As a matter of fact, she was out gathering sticks to prepare a final meal for her and her son. You know, if you, uh, if you take our text in verse number 12, it says, and now I'm gathering, notice this, a couple of sticks. In your King James Bible, it actually says two sticks. <laughs> I'm going out to gather two sticks to make a fire. Now, I don't know how big of sticks she's talking about, but two sticks don't seem like a lot. It doesn't seem like a whole lot to cook that big of a meal for her and her child. No, this woman was finding sticks kindling enough for two, that she could break up and cook a small portion in a pan. This woman had so very little and she was going to prepare a final meal for her child. I want you to picture this. You know, part of what I like to do is take myself and put myself in the Bible. Mom, I want you to put yourself in the Bible for a moment and you're the widow at Zarephath. And you're outside the city walls and you're looking for a couple of sticks. I wonder as you look for those sticks, do you ever have the thought, I'm such a failure. I can't even provide for my child. I'm cooking a final meal And my child is going to die. I can't even provide for the child that God has given me. I have so very little left to give my child. I wonder, do these characteristics sound familiar? A book I came across a while back, it lists some of the common challenges that mothers face. Number one, a low self-esteem. Number two, a monotony and loneliness is experienced. Number three, stress from too many demands. Number four, lack of time with husband. Number five, confusion about discipline. Number six, worries about the home, its atmosphere in which the children are being raised. Number seven, the need for an outside role model. Number eight, difficulty in training children. All of these bear down on our mothers. And no doubt, all of these responsibilities cause you to say, I'm such a failure. I can't even take care of what God has given me. This mother had all of these different things bearing down on her life. And yet, by verse 16, God uses a mother who probably thought herself a failure, who had been shattered by the experiences of life, who had the joys and also the pressures of being a mother is someone that God brought a miracle through. God used this woman. And yet God used her to care for her child and sustain the life of this prophet and in doing so, turns a nation back to God. We have yet to go 
to where this prophet stands on Mount Carmel, prays a 63-word prayer, fire falls from heaven, and God does a work among His people's heart. What if this woman had thought, I will never be used of God, I'm going to sit at home, and God's prophet died. What she did had an impact on the nation. Listen. I, 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 uh, this mother had all a lot of problems. No, this, uh, this mother had a lot of problems. No, this mother God uses is not a mother that lived a charmed life where nothing bad ever happened. This is not a, a mother with perfect children. It has everything all together. No, this is a mother that is far from it. No, this is a mother that God could, uh, should, uh, uh, could, should start looking familiar. Are you staring at this woman and starting to see a resemblance? Are you starting to see what this lady looks like? You should because she looks a whole lot like every mother in this, in this room. I don't care what you've gone through in your life. I don't care how bad your situation is, how poor you are, how terrible your background is. Listen to me. You can be a mother that God can use to impact a nation. God used this mother at Zarephath and did exactly that. And I submitted to you that God can do the same thing with every mother in this room. Notice second of all, not only does this mother Is this mother a familiar mother? Why? Because she looks like every mother in here. She's not perfect. She's got problems. She could consider herself a failure. She's experienced all kinds of tragedies in her life, and yet God still used her. Second of all, not only a familiar mother, but a faithful mother. Now, if you would be a mother that God could use, you must be a mother of faith. One that believes God. One that trusts God. I believe we see that in this woman's life. First of all, we want you to, I want you to see that she trusted God with the results of her circumstance. Now, despite all the tragedy and the responsibility and the necessity that she had in her life, this is a woman that still trusted God with what the results would, the turnout of her life. Notice in verse number 12 again, and she said, we're going to cook this meal, I have a little flour and a little oil, and now I'm going to gather a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat and die. Now, the jar, notice that she said that she had a jar here with a handful of flour. That jar that it's speaking of is a rather large jar or a, a clay pot. It's, a, it's an earthen vessel. It's a household item that would be used in the kitchen in this day and time. And, and, and normally these, these vessels tend to be pretty big and pretty useful to keep the flour in to cook their bread and their meals. Now, she could have done many things with this barrel. Think about it with me. I mean, this woman actually, she could have taken this very useful, they tended to be larger barrels or larger vessels or clay jars. I think it's called a jar here in my text. She could have taken that jar to the marketplace or what we might call the flea market and maybe sold it. Maybe she could have had a yard sale in front of her house and and may have sold that jar to maybe get a little bit of money 
so that she can buy a little bit more food to prolong uh, her, her situation just a couple of days or a day or so. She could have thought, what's the use? We're going to die anyway. This thing's never going to be used by me for its intended purpose in this house. Maybe I could get just a little bit more money and prolong the inevitable one more day. Or maybe she could have got angry. Every time she wandered around that house trying to find something for her hungry child, she looked at that empty barrel and she thought, God's failed me. God has failed me. He hadn't provided for me. God's forsaken me. She could have taken something in her rage and smashed that vessel. Man, you ever got... I'm raised with a house of boys. And uh, I'm not saying that I do this kind of thing, but my boys do. When they get mad, they like to tear up stuff. They like to hit things. They like to smash Smash stuff, you know. Uh, not this boy. We're talking about the other one. No, but but uh, anyway, uh, no. I'm, <laughs> well, they they like to get angry, you know, just like all of us guys do. We like to break stuff. I can imagine this mother watching her child starve, begin to point a finger at God. See, you didn't. You you're gonna let us die. And look at that part. The symbol of God's provision. And took a, I don't know, they had baseball bats back then, I don't know. And took a, 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 a BC baseball bat and just beat it to death and broke it apart in anger. She could have destroyed it. Does she do that though? No. Even though it contained only a smidgen of its total capacity, she holds tightly to it. Why? I believe, and although we're not... This is Ronnie Brown theology. You can mark it off. This is not the word or revelation from me. But I believe this mother's been doing some talking with God. Early in the text, and we're going to come back to this, it said, God said, I have commanded a woman to feed thee, a widow to feed thee. This woman's been talking to God, or at least God's been talking to her. And you can't tell me that if God's talking to somebody, they're not doing some talking to Him. And I know from I know the most natural thing for a mother to do is to do everything within their strength to supply for their child, their starving child, and number two, do everything outside of their strength. Oh God. Oh God, don't let us die. I've done everything I can to feed this child. Please, God, please, oh please. Listen. I believe that this jar that sits in a, in a statement that she made to the prophet, the representation of this still whole jar, is a picture of her trust in God. Did God use this jar in the end? Of course He did. You know the end of the story. How that every time she reached into the dark recesses of that unbroken jar that she hung on to, she pulled out just a little bit more flour to make it one more day. If she would have lost her faith in God and bursted out of anger, or if she had lost hope and sold it away, I believe that she and her son would have died of starvation. Because those are the vehicles that God used to meet 
her knee. I believe this clay jar with its handful of meal represents that she still trusted God with the results of her life. That she still believed and had faith in God that He would somehow answer her prayer and prolong her and her child's lives. She didn't say God has forsaken us. What's the use in believing God? No, she held out hope to the bitter end. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to die trusting in the God of heaven. Mom, if you would be a mother that God will use, you must trust God. You must leave the results to Him. Listen, I know there have been many who have let you down. There have been many, a father, maybe a father in your life that has abandoned you or forsaken you. Maybe you had a father that was untrustworthy. Maybe you've been abused by a father, damaged emotionally, crushed by someone you trusted. And that trust has become something uh, that is almost impossible to develop. Listen, I want you to know you've got a heavenly father that will never betray you, that will never hurt you, that will always be for you will always be with you, will never forsake you, never leave you. Whatever impending disaster may be on the horizon of your life, that may cause you to take the last vestige of faith and trust in God and shatter it in anger or sell it to the world and the flesh and the devil saying, I can't do this, I can't do this anymore. Stop. God is greater than your circumstance. The good work that He has started within you, He will see to completion. Mama, trust God. Trust God with the results of your life, whatever your situation is. Whether it be a marriage that's on the rocks, trust God in it. Whether it be your children that have strayed far from the things of God, trust God in it. Don't cut up and throw away your faith because things have been difficult. You want to be a woman, that mother, that a God can use? Follow the example of this woman. Have faith in God. Trust God. This mother had faith in God. She held out to the bitter end. She trusted God with the results. She trusted God with the resources. Elijah the prophet comes along finding her outside gathering sticks and requests that last meal from her to give it to him. She's barely getting by. I hinted a moment ago, I believe this woman had already been talking with God. In verse 9, it's obvious God had spoken to her in some way. I believe God has been encouraging her faith and now God sends this prophet And basically says, okay, give me the rest of what you got. Here's a woman that's having faith in God. Oh God, I know you're going to meet our needs. I'm trusting you. Listen, I've got a little bit left, but that's all I've got. So we're going to eat it now, God. I know you're going to take care of us. And here comes a preacher that's hungry and wants what half of what you got. Story about these two old country boys talking one to another. Billy Bob, if you had a million dollars, he asked the other one, would you give me half of it? No, Billy Bob replied, Leroy, you know I would. I'd give you half my million dollars. Um, and then Leroy asked uh, Billy Bob, he said, if you had $1,000, would you give me 500 Leroy, we've been friends for over 20 years, Billy Bob said, and you know that, if I, if, uh, that I would give you $500 if I had 1000 Well, old, old Leroy scratched his chin and asked, 
well, if you had two hogs, would you give me one of them? Billy Bob shouted out loudly, that's not fair. You know I have two hogs. You know, it's one thing to give away something or say we'll give away something that we don't have. But it's another thing entirely to give away something we do have. Lots of times we're give, willing to give away what we don't have. We'll say, boy, I wish I just had a little bit more money. I'd tithe and I'd give to missions or I'd give to the church. But when it comes right down to it, if we refuse to trust God with what we have in our hands, what's to say we're going to give them when we get something that we don't have? Mom, if you would be a woman God could use, you must trust God with the resources that you have, no matter how small they may be. Trust Him with your finances. Trust Him with your family. Trust Him with your friend. Put your life in the able and capable hands of God. You may say to yourself, Ronnie, Brother Ronnie, I'd give to the church. I'd tithe. I'd do that kind of thing if I made a little bit more money at my job. If I, had a, if I had a raise and brought in a little more income, I'd give a little more. I'd help start a missions program. I'd give to the cause of the gospel throughout the whole world. But the truth is, if you won't give what you have now, then who's to say you'll give what you'll have down the road? This mother was willing to give out of what she had in her hand. And when she was in great need, and when it comes right down to it, what we have, uh, what we have, many of us just refuse to trust God. No matter how small our resources may be, trust God with them. Trust God with your family. Trust God with your body, your frame. Trust God with your finances and put them in His capable hands. I'm not, I'm not talking about selling your house, selling your car, selling everything, live on the street and dump all the proceeds in the church. That's not what I'm saying at all. But I'm saying that what you hold in your hand, the resources that God has given you, I want you to hold them loosely. That's what this mother did. She had a handful of meal, and yet she held it loosely. If God wants it, He can have it. God, God, God said, I commanded her. God's speaking to this woman and she's hearing His voice. And circumstance crosses with the Word of God. Here's, what, here's how it happens. Circumstance crosses with the Word of God. And she held what she had loosely. Hold what you have loosely. Don't hold on, on to those resources too tight because they belong to Him. Have a heart that says, God, what you have blessed me with is yours. It's available to you for your purposes. Would to God, every mother in this room would be a mother that God could use by relinquishing the resources that God has entrusted them with and put them in the hands of a capable God. If she had kept it, if she had held it in her hand, that oil and that, and, and that, and that flour, if she would have ham-fistedly held on and said, No, preacher. No, God. I'm not going to do this. I've got to feed my own. Yeah, she would have had one last meal. And they would have died. But when she relinquished it, man, I, you know, you preach on money on Mother's Day. You're in a weird world. You know, you're just... In a, in a constellation alignment with planets when you deal with money on Mother's Day. How did that happen? But listen, when we will relinquish and hold loosely that which God has blessed us with, He can use it 
And you can't out, what does it say? You can't outgive God. How many times you guys told me that? You can't outgive God. You can't. And listen, I'm not saying I get paychecks from heaven. You know, that's what a lot of people believe. You know, we talk about money and you talk about you can't outgive God. And so the thought is, well, you put it in an offering plate and then somehow you're going to get checks or checks from the government that kind of float down. I, I don't, uh, uh, you know. The reality is, no, I've never received a check signed God on the, on the cover of it. But I'm going to tell you what, God, through circumstance, through spiritual growth, through the things that He has done in my life and shown me, He's done more for me, more times over than I ever, ever did for Him. Put your resources into capable hands. Trust God. Trust God with the finality of your circumstance. Notice Lastly, a, f- a familiar mother. She ought to look familiar because she looks just like all you mothers in this room. A faithful mother. Here's a mother that trusted God. Finally, a following mother. The mother that God uses is a mother that not only believes God, but is willing to actively follow God and walk in His ways. G. Campbell Morgan was a great preacher of a bygone day. And he had, he had four sons that were also preachers. One day they were all gathered in a sitting room together with some other people that were visiting with them. And one of them wanted to put one of the sons on spot. And so they asked the the son Howard this question. Howard, who is the greatest preacher in your family? Howard looked with great admiration to his father and looked straight across at him and then without a moment's hesitation answered, Mother... Mama preaches the best messages in the kitchen. (laughs) Some of my best messages have come from my wife and something she said in passing. Some of the best messages come from mother. Mom, your walk with the Lord can have more of an impact than thousands of the greatest preachers that could ever fill this pulpit. Your impact on your family is determined by what? Your walk with the Lord. I believe that's what this woman had. She had a walk with the Lord. First of all, she obeyed the prescription of God. Look with me at verse 15. And she went and did as Elijah said. I want to make something clear. You know, there is the idea in some churches that that the person that is the pastor, that is the leader, is the one that acts in the place of God. Listen. This is a, and, and, and what we find in Elijah is here is a man that speaks, thus saith the Lord. This is a different time period. What she's dealing with here, this is not like a New Testament pastor. This is a, a, a foreteller, prophet, a, 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 an oracle, a speaker of the Word of God. I am not that. I, any kind of thus saith the Lord that comes from this mouth ought to be reading this book, okay? That, that, that's not what we have right here. You're not going to find this. When I talk about Elijah and the prescription from God, that's exactly what I mean. But don't make the comparison that I am giving you the prescription from God. No, God's prescription comes from His Word. I'm going to try to tell you what it means. I'm going to try to tell you what it says. And it's up to you to obey it. It's not thus saith Ronnie Brown. It's thus saith the Lord. And that's what we have here. This woman did what this prophet which is, which is a channel of the Word of God, the command of God, she did what 
the Word of God said. She believed God and she put her belief in the shoe leather. She believed God and put her belief in shoe leather. She took what she had and placed it on the altar of sacrifice. Why? Because she stood firmly on the promise of God. What was the promise of God? Look at this in verse 16. The jar of flour... The jar. Uh, wait a minute. What did the prophet say? 14, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The jar of flour shall not be spent, and the jug of oil shall not be, uh, shall not be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. God made the promise through the prophet. You go do this, and I promise you, your barrel will not empty your jar will not run out of oil. She believed the promises of God. Mom, the future may look uncertain, but it is as sure as the promises of God. I think about the story I remember reading about Adoniram Judson. He was the first, one of the first American missionaries to leave this continent or leave this country and go to a foreign field. He suffered greatly in the country of Burma without a single convert to, uh, to have as his own that he had led to Christ. One day Judson was arrested and placed in a Burmese prison. He was chained constantly and to prevent escape at night, they would take his, the, the shackles from his feet and raise them up until he was almost upside down with his back resting on the ground. What an uncomfortable way uh, to sleep and, sleep and spend the night. I mean, the guy suffered cruelly in that prison. One day his wife brought news that she had received a letter from the mission board and they asked him this question. What are the prospects of his ministry there in Burma? Adoniram Judson said the prospects of the gospel in Burma are as bright as the promises of God. <laughs> Amen! It was bleak and dark in that jail cell. But he was a man of faith that said it is as bright as the promises of God. Mother, your hope in God in the devastating circumstances of life are as bright as the promises of God. Every mother needs to take that and put it in their heart. Your future is as bright as the promises of God. But trust Him and act in faith, trusting the promises of God. For God is not a liar. He keeps His promises. He never forsakes us. He'll never leave us. What is it that we have been raised to sing in churches? Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Notice second of all, not only has she obeyed the prescription of God, but she enjoyed the provision of God. In, look at verse 16. And the, flour, and the jar of flour was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty according to the word of the Lord that He spoke by Elijah. It was only after she believed and she trusted and acted in accordance with the command of God that is promised, that she trusted His promise and acted on that promise, did she see the miraculous provision of God. God proved to be sufficient in her deficiency. You know, this text, <laughs> this text is so special to me. As I was looking at it this morning and going over my thoughts, I, I began to remember as, as we come to the end and how God met her needs. You know, my very first message, my very first point that I ever preached in a church was from this text. And my first point was in that message that He is more than enough 
for our external needs. God is more than enough. He's more than capable of meeting our needs if we trust Him, if we follow Him, if we walk after Him, if we, uh, we will walk with Him. He will meet our needs. Stand firmly on the promise of God. I have seen Him do it too many times in my personal life and in my wife's life to ever think anything different. God keeps His promises. Ephesians 3, 20 and 21, Now unto Him who is able to do exceed abundantly, uh, uh, more abundantly than all that we can ask or think according to the power that works within us, to, the, to Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And that was my first text that I read behind the pulpit. He is able. My whole life as a ministry has been built on the fact that God is able, that He keeps His promises, that He's more than enough. It's more than enough for my external needs. My my more month than money needs. He's more than enough for my internal needs, my brokennesses, my forgiveness, my sin. He's more than enough for my eternal needs. He's more than enough to save my soul and to preserve me unto the day in which I arrive in His presence. We need mothers like this mother desperately in our day and hour. Mothers that will believe God and trust God and act in faith according to the promises of God. That leads me to my final thought. Listen very closely here. I think we got it on the screen here. Every mother here today can fulfill God's purpose for their life by yielding what they have to God. And that's just not talking about money. That's talking about my life, my availability. And uh, yielding what they have to God, trusting in the unfailing character of God. Oh, the fact that this barrel never emptied and the jar uh, never ran out. It's not odd that that happened. It's God that that happened. God keeps His promises. God does that. Listen, I must tell you though, that the first step in being a mother that God can use is the first step of faith. It's not starting at the faith to know that God will supply my needs somehow. God will will help me make my payment. God will help me get food. God will help me provide for shelter. It's not starting there. You have to start somewhere else. And it starts with trusting Christ as our Lord and Savior. If you're here today, and you're lost in your sin and shame, you've never intentionally, purposely come to the end of yourself. Like that prodigal son in a far country who came to himself. Look at where I am. I'm so far from a father that loved me and created me. That that realization that I need God. I need Christ. If you've never come and purposely, intentionally turned to Christ, as your Savior, Redeemer, Forgiver of sins. And I beg you to to do that today. Bring to Him your broken life. And as the Bible tells us, He will trade the ashes of your sinful life for a coat of glory. For robes of righteousness. 
He will trade your cries and sorrows for 10,000 hallelujahs and praises unto Him. Come to Jesus today. Turn from living life of sin and self and put your trust in Him and He will impart His eternal life. I want you to know that today Christ Jesus... He died on the cross for your sins. He gave His life to pay your sin debt. He was buried in a tomb, raised again bodily, physically, seen by hundreds, 500 at one time, witnessed the resurrected body of Jesus. He ascended unto the Father and now grants eternal life to all that will believe and place their faith and trust in Him. Mom, you may be here today and you say, I'm a good mother. I take care of my kids and my husband. There's nothing wrong with me. Listen, you're in, a, you're in a wrong place right now. For the Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The glory of God that we are to come to is that of the Creator's intention that we live perfect, righteous, holy lives. And none of us can do it. We've all sinned against God. We've broken His law. And therefore Jesus is our only way of acceptance. For He lived a sinless, spotless life, died on the cross in our place. place. He paid our sin debt. We must all be saved from our sin. If you want to be the mother that God can use, the first step is to come and trust Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Because to be honest with you, you can't be a mother that God can use if you don't know Jesus. You see, He's the enabling power to have faith in God. To trust God when circumstances are contrary. The only enabling feature that you could possibly have to please God and to know God and to see God use your life is through faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Let's all stand to our feet, every head bowed. Every eye closed. Listen, today is the day of salvation. Here is the opportunity. If you're here today and you're lost, you to come and believe on the Lord Jesus. Whether down at, these pew, down at this altar or there in your seat, reach out with a hand of faith and take the hand of Jesus that is extended by the cross. Put your faith and trust in Him today. Repentance is required. What is repentance? It's an about faith. It's about faith. I had a mind that thinks one way and I came to a point of an about faith. I was living life of sin and self, thinking I can make my own way. And then one day I repent and I change my thinking to believe that Jesus, that Jesus died on the cross for my sin, that He can heal my life, that He can save my soul and preserve me unto the day of judgment. Put your trust in Jesus. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I love You. I thank You for the day that I made that, I made that decision. I changed my mind. I turned from living life of sin and self and I, I changed my mind and I believed in You. I used to think that religion is nothing for people wanting, but wanting to try to impress each other. Give them something to do. Uh, it was just some religious practice they went through. And, but God, I changed my mind. and I, One day I saw You as my Savior on the cross. And you, you died from my sin and, and Your arms were outstretched to save me from my sin. And, and I trusted You that day. God, I pray that there are others that would trust You Savior and Lord, this morning, God, we ask this for our mothers as well. God, help our, all of our mothers be encouraged by this mother. This mother's been broken by tragedy, hurt. She no doubt felt like a failure. She couldn't take care of her child. And God, you still used her. God, encourage every mother's heart in this room who may be overwhelmed with thoughts of failure, thoughts of brokenness, thoughts of never being used of God. God, I pray You'd encourage their heart with the reality 
that the woman of Zarephath, is, the widow of Zarephath is just like they. They're just like this woman. And if God can use this woman, He can use all of the mothers in this room. God, do that for Your honor and glory. In Jesus' precious name, amen.